0: Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. It's great to see you guys. And like popular opinion today, you're looking good. I don't see well, but beyond, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Great to see you. Christmas. It's an incredible time of year. I mean, clearly, there's expectations. Some of you are sitting there right now just planning how to deliver the perfect gift at the perfect time others of you, are hopeful someone will get it right. Kids can't wait for Christmas, often. You know, they're waiting for that moment to open the gift that they've been wanting. There are times that kids are waiting for the gift that their parents have waited in line for hours for or fought for. That's all too true. (laughs) Hopefully not in this room. Um, You know, there's some pretty cool stuff, right? Every year there's kind of these, these amazing new gifts. This year, not to disappoint anyone, there's some amazing stuff out there. And I'm going to share it with you just in case you're looking for that perfect gift for this Christmas. First off, there's Artie 3000. Artie is an incredible piece. I mean, it, it, this is should be, yeah, there we go. There's Artie. Artie, you stick the marker down in him and you code. You program him to draw things for you. Kids are so much smarter than I was. I'm just like... Maybe a pencil. Even then I can't draw, so you know it's pretty bad. But but I mean there's this whole coding thing. Now we're teaching kids to code and program at young ages so they can draw stuff, right? It's pretty amazing. For those of you that love the game Pictionary, there's a new version. It's called Pictionary Air. So you have this pen that draws light and then everybody downloads the app and points their cameras at the drawer and it comes up on your screen. It's gonna be the new game at senior solos, I'm telling you. (laughs) They're they're going. This is, and then back to the coding thing, right? There's code and learn Kinderbot. Don't ask me. I couldn't even understand what the thing did. No, I'm just kidding you know, you again, you program and it does certain tasks, it's accomplished, it's pretty amazing. I mean, people like me, I mean, we, we, we had to just hope to get an Atari 2600. Yeah, there you go. What a piece of, you know, incredible technological ingenious. You got one joystick and a button. That's still the speed at which I can play video games. And there's, yeah, I've proven my prowess at Minecraft. I'm able to fish. Okay. Pulling in the salmon. It's amazing. All right, now I don't understand. Like, and kids, I apologize because I'm about to scar you for life. Because back in the day, They used to have these things called cabbage patch dolls. What is that? Is that not the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life? People stood in line and fought over these things. You look back now and you're going, I mean, what do you say? Oh, that's so pretty. No, that's awful. If you would like some, they're still available on eBay. Okay. okay, So you 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 get there, right? It's often about the gifts that we we are getting and giving to people and receiving, and and kids make lists out, and they're they're filled with expectation. An expectation is something. That we've lived with and the children of Israel lived with for years. Actually, they lived for hundreds of years with expectation. Expecting the Messiah to come. From the time of David, even previous, but the David and Solomon, they they were looking for the Messiah. And we recognize Jesus as the Messiah. We we see that. We look back to his birth in Bethlehem with faith and confidence. Jesus' birth brings us so much comfort. And it should fill us with joy. It's an incredible time of year. Everyone seems to be talking about Christmas. I know, I know. There's some stores that have caved to political correctness and they say, happy holidays. But at its root, it's still happy holy days. Because these days are holy. And everyone seems to be aware that there's a birth that takes place at this time of year that changes history. Today, we're going to look back again to that moment of Christ's birth and his coming and the prophecies that are forecasting and and bringing that expectation. So today we're going to look at a familiar phrase. One that we see on Christmas cards all the time. All kinds of Christmas greetings. Oh, there's part of it that we won't recognize. Because they leave this part out. The first part of the verse, they kind of just... It just doesn't go well on a greeting card. But the end part, it's amazing. Isaiah 7, 14. says, all right then. It doesn't go well on a greeting card. All right then. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with You see those words? We know what they mean. We know and we recognize they're speaking about Jesus coming to earth. And and as he walked this earth for 33 years, he was Emmanuel, God with us. Now, after the resurrection, he is still Emmanuel, God with us. But the main thing we're going to look at today is not the Emmanuel, God with us part. We're going to look at the virgin will conceive a child. Because there's a miracle there. There's a miracle of Christmas. There's a miracle of the virgin birth. And the initial fulfillment of that that verse would come just a few years after it was communicated by Isaiah to a king. King of But the ultimate fulfillment would be about 730 years later. Comes from This verse comes from a time in Judah's history, the 8th century, somewhere around 735 B.C. There was a king. His name was Ahaz. He had become king, and somewhat early in his reign, he recognized that there were some pretty powerful nations around him. Nations like the Assyrians. And Ahab seemed to want to make friends with the Assyrians and adopted some pro-Assyrian policies. Then there was these other nations that were anti-Assyrian, and that was King Pekah of Israel and King Rezin of Syria. And they wanted Ahaz to join their alliance. Kind of reached out to him and said, Come on, Ahaz, join up with us. We, we need you to fight against Assyria. We, we need you. And Ahaz said, No. I'm, I think you guys and us combined are weaker than King of Syria, Assyria, and no. So Isaiah 7:1 says this. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, grandson of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king resident of Syria, and Pekah, king of Romaliah, the king of Israel, set out to attack Jerusalem. However, they were unable to carry out their plan. The news had come to the royal court of Judah. Syria is allied with Israel against us. So the hearts of the king and his people trembled with fear, like trees shaking in a storm. And when you think about what they're seeing. We, we recognize this whole thing. We understand trees shaking in a storm. And we can get a sense of their fear. Their fear was that they they were about to be wiped out. And they, they go back and forth a little and we don't have time to go into all that. But 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 there's something here for us to remember. In the midst of the storm, God is always near. When things are going bad, look for God to help and things are going good, look to God for help. Unfortunately for the people of Judah, their king didn't have room in his life for listening to God. And so God sends Isaiah to King Ahaz with a message, which we continue to read as we look at Isaiah 7.3. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Take your son Shear-Jeshub and go out to meet King Ahaz. You'll find him at the end of the aqueduct that feeds water into the upper pool, near the road leading to the field where cloth is washed. Now, you may say it's just kind of a quick thing. Probably King Ahaz is out there inspecting the water because he wants to make sure that if they get attacked, their water supply is good and protected. Right. He's worried about what's going to happen. He's worried about their protection and their water supply because often nations would choke off a water supply to a community, to a city, because that would, they would have to surrender. So Ahaz is out doing all the things he can do. And I'm not saying we shouldn't prep. I'm not saying we shouldn't think through and plan all those things, but, but Ahaz is clearly worried. Verse 4 says, tell him to stop worrying. Tell him he doesn't need to fear the fierce anger of those two burned-out embers. That's the way you want to be described, right? King Rezin of Syria and Pekah, son of Remaliah. Yes, the kings of Syria and Israel are plotting against him, saying, we will attack Judah and capture it for ourselves. Then we will install son of table as Judah's king. But this is what the sovereign Lord says. Love those moments where the sovereign Lord speaks into a situation. This invasion will never happen, it will never take place. For Syria is no stronger than its capital, Damascus, and Damascus is no stronger than its king Rezin. As for Israel, within 65 years it will be completely, it will be crushed and completely destroyed. Israel is no stronger than its capital, Samaria, and Samaria is no stronger than its king, Pekah, son of Remaliah. Unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. It's a great statement. It's a warning shot across the bow for Ahaz. If you don't have faith, and if your faith isn't firm, I can't make you stand. Interesting. But God is trying to tell Ahaz, you have nothing to fear. Kings of Israel and Syria are nothing. They're weak compared to the power of God. They're no match for God. This is the beginning of an opportunity for Ahaz to put his trust in God. You have to understand, Ahaz Ahaz followed a line of four pretty good kings known as good kings. Ahaz not so good. And even in God's mercy and his grace he still is inviting Ahaz. He's still reaching out to him. So we continue to read in in verse 10. Later the Lord sent this message to King Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation, Ahaz, make it as difficult as you want, as high as heaven, or as deep as the place of the dead. Look, Ahaz isn't even following God, and God's reaching out to him and saying, Ahaz, I know you're scared, I know you don't really follow me, But, but ask for a sign. I'll do it. And make it as hard as you want to make it. Make it as difficult as you can comprehend. Now, I don't know about you, but if God gave me a blank check, I could come up with some stuff. Right? Could you? I mean, think about it. He basically says A Ahaz, I can do this, I will do this. Ask me for anything to show that I'm real, and I'll do it. Pretty good. Verse 12 says, but the king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord like that. Now, wait a minute. Think about this. This guy doesn't have any space for God to start with. He's an awful guy and gets worse. He's already aligned himself with the king of Assyria. He's going to take stuff out of the temple and give it to him. He's going to take gold and bronze and all that stuff, and he's going to give it to him. He's he's making alliances with the king of Assyria, and he goes, oh, I won't test the Lord like that. He's hiding behind a veneer of religion, It is essentially the same thing that Jesus puts the Pharisees on notice for. you got a form, but there's no heart. And Ahaz kind of being all pious, saying, oh, I wouldn't test God. Are you kidding me? You already are. You already have. In fact, we'll find it in a few verses. God had given Ahaz a promise of protection and then tells him, ask for a sign. And he doesn't do it. From everything I look at and and read from this passage as well as what's recorded in 2 Kings 16, 2 Chronicles 28, God would have protected Judah from both the kings of Israel and Syria as well as the king of Assyria, King Tiglath, Pleaser, who eventually turns on Ahaz, even though he had a treaty with him and was paying tribute, and does all kinds of stuff. God literally gave Ahaz permission to ask him for a miracle. And God has been the God of a miraculous forever, right? It's just who He is. When you think about the, the history of the, the people of Israel and of Judah, you know God was a miracle worker. They knew it. I mean, you don't have to go far to read in their history and understand the Red Sea, the man in the desert, the water from a rock. We could go on. The story of Israel and Judah is seen through many miracles. And God was saying, ask me, Ahaz. I'll give it to you. So here is the prophecy that Isaiah gave to Ahaz as a result of his unwillingness to trust God. Ahaz had more faith in his diplomacy and in the power of another king than he did in God. Verse 13 says, Then Isaiah said, Listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. By the time this child is old enough to choose what is right and wrong, what is reject, what is wrong, he will be eating yogurt and honey. For before the child is that old, the lands of the two kings you fear so much will be deserted. Wow. Ahaz is so afraid. And it's within a couple years that the kings of Syria and Judah are gone. Out of power and or dead. In the case of the king of Israel, gone. God does here what he's done for 6,000 years at least. Prepares for a miracle. There there was a fulfillment that took place just a few years later when Tiglath-Pileser wipes out the king of Israel and the king of Syria. And a few years after that, He took Judah captive as well. There was a child that was born to a virgin. It appears to be, some believe it would have been Isaiah's second wife, who at the time of Isaiah 7 wasn't his wife. And before the child reached the age of 12, everything that was prophesied right here had come about. But the ultimate fulfillment, just like often took place with the Old Testament prophets, there was often this current context prophetic fulfillment and a long-term prophecy fulfillment. We know the fulfillment of that ultimately. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, these are the words that Matthew records of. Joseph's dream. Joseph's dream was when the angel appears to him and tells him, Look, Joseph, it is completely okay to take Mary as your wife. Nothing crazy took place here. It's just the Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. Right? Like it happened before. How many of us would be like, oh, yeah, okay. Joseph had to be the most amazing man of all time. Because he's like, he has a dream. Confident that it's the angel of the Lord speaking to him. And his response is, okay. He didn't have long to debate. He didn't have long to figure this out. He literally immediately responds in obedience and does what the angel of the Lord says to him. Amazing. Joseph is amazing. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel means God is with us. But there's incredible moments to learn here. When we start to look at what happened with Ahaz himself. Look, we know Ahaz somewhere along the journey. We don't know where it was because he came from, again, relatively good Family. Good king. But he goes off the rails somewhere. I mean, Ahaz made some really, really bad decisions. He gets so bad that he offers one of his own sons as a sacrifice to a pagan god. Okay, Ahaz is really, really, really bad. And yet, God, in his grace and his mercy, reaches out to him and says, Ahaz, here's a chance. Here's an opportunity for you to put your trust in me. Here's an opportunity for you to trust me with your life. Will you do it? Even when God was speaking to him through the prophet, he refused to listen. So the concern for all of us should be, where are the places in our lives that we're not listening to the voice of God? Where are we choosing to do things our own way because we can't see how God and his way will work out. Are we willing to trust God at his word? Are we willing to trust him when, when, when he says something to us that, or his word speaks to us and, and we're like, oh man, I don't know. That, that doesn't seem like that's going to work. What are the things we're allowing to creep in Keep us from trusting God. Look, I know we can look at Ahaz and sort of make fun of him because he seems to trust other gods and isn't willing to trust God at his word. But that raises a question. What are we putting our trust in? I have this recurring thought that comes back through this whole preparation time of this message, and it is that God is the God of miracles. He's done them in the past. He will continue to do them into the future. And there's part of me that just believes maybe God wants to do one today. I don't know what you've walked in with. I don't know what you're experiencing. But Ahaz was given permission to ask God for anything. And we've also been given permission to ask God. Now, were we given the blank check like Ahaz? Maybe not. James 4 says this, you want what you don't have. Here's the Christmas verse, so you scheme and kill to get it and beat people up in Walmart. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. I heard you, Dylan. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. God is the God of miracles. He does this incredible miracle at Christmas that we kind of gloss over. We put it on a, a greeting card. The virgin shall conceive a child and you will call him Jesus and you will call him Emmanuel because he's God with He's still God with us. He's still the God of miracles. It's funny. We believe it when we sing it. God is a God of miracles. We sing that here. Let your faith rise in your life. Let your faith rise in your heart that God is still the God of miracles. He is God with us, Emmanuel. I know. We excuse it off. We were like, you know, I mean, I'm not that important. I'm not all that. Why do we celebrate Christmas. Jesus didn't need it. He didn't need to come. He needed to come for a reason. And that reason's what? So we celebrate it? No. Because he had to come. Because of you and me. He had to come because of us. So actually, Christmas is about you. It's not really about Jesus. It is about Jesus because he came for you. He didn't have to come. He didn't need it. He did. He came for you and I. The miracle of Christmas, the miracle of the virgin birth is because you and I needed it. God didn't. He didn't need to do it because he just wanted to show off. He did it because we needed it. Because we were desperate. We had no hope. We were lost, we were dying, we were, we were separated from God. We, we, that, that whole connection with God was broken because of sin. And he did it for you and for me. That, that's what it's about. Are you trusting in your diplomacy? Or are you willing to trust God? Ahaz could only see the short view. He couldn't see what God saw and was unwilling to trust him. So he made treaties and tried to do things his own way. <laughs> <laughs> How often do we try to figure it all out on our own? How often should we just say, Lord, you are the God of miracles, and we're asking for one today. Not because we need it to help our faith, but to confirm our faith. Like it's not because we're going to suddenly become followers of Jesus. Look, remember, remember, the people in Jesus' day when he did miracles didn't respond in faith. In fact, they kept asking, the people that believe did, but the people who did didn't, didn't. They, they kept, give me another sign. He's like, I can give you no more sign. No signs. Except the resurrection. People believe. Miracles is confirmation of faith to them. People who don't believe could excuse it away. Their people could sit through a funeral, the dead person raises from a casket, they'd excuse it away because they don't believe. It's the same thing we see in our culture today. P- people don't believe in Jesus, so they excuse them away. The, the, the history, the, the things we've seen, the, the confirmations of the prophetic, everything. People excuse it away. They've yet to have their hearts turned to Christ. Exactly what happened with Ahaz. He had his mind made up. He was going his own way. God was willing to do some crazy stuff for him. They excused it all. Just like Ahaz, God will try to get people's attention today. My prayer is that our response be just like Samuel's. Samuel 3.10. The Lord came and called us before Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. That's my heart's cry today, is that when God is speaking, we will respond simply with, speak, your servant is listening. One of the things that's so cool about Christmas is the amount of planning that goes into the gatherings and decorating for church and at home and There's planning and there's preparation and Jesus' birth was planned from the beginning of time and probably before that. God knew and orchestrated everything to help people see that Jesus is the Messiah who saves people from their sins. God planned your life as well. Why don't you put your trust in Him for your life? Th- this morning, we're going to close. There's a couple places I, I'm, I'm looking for God to do some things this morning. One is, I'm just going to ask that you simply ask God for a miracle in your life. You may be facing things that you've not told people. You may be going through things that you're, you don't see a way out. You don't see a way that God will answer. And I'm just saying, He's the God of miracles. Has nothing to do with our ability to pray. Has nothing to do with our ability to, to do anything outside of ask. Lots of moments throughout Jesus' ministry, he told people to ask. I'm just suggesting today that you ask God. See if he might not do a miracle in your life, your situation, whatever you're facing. If you walked in here this morning and You're kind of living life the the Ahaz direction, going your own way, making your own decisions, deciding I'm going to do this my way, and I'm not sure that this following Jesus thing is going to work out for me. I'm asking you today to consider putting your faith and trust in Christ and say, Lord, help me. I want to follow you. Because he can be trusted. You may not understand everything you walk through. It is not guarantees for simple and easy. What it is a guarantee for is that he will be God with you. Because that is who he is.